Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Right for Your Life podcast. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mike Hurley. Hello, Ian Broom. Hello. How have you been? I've been well. How have you been? Um, I've been all right. Been very busy preparing for the book launch, which is now less than a week away. When I saw you say that on Twitter, I was like, oh my, that's come around very quickly. Yes. Um, it feels like five minutes ago that I had the news that Legend were interested in the book. And and at that point, I was, I, I, I was not in the position where I was going to be a father to identical twins and here we are about seven months later and I my book's about to come out and so are a couple of other things <laughs> yes that is a very accurate and crude way to put it well no it's just the cold hold facts of the situation and but that's fine it's all very exciting um, so yes less less than this time next week my novel will be out there and it's quite wow surreal i can't believe that actually ian broom congratulations to you <laughs> thanks very much um it's it's quite surreal because and, and i've said this to a, a few people kind of in real life and i think i've probably said it to you as well uh but it's um um it's kind of bizarre that something that i prepared not prepared, what's the right word? Something that I've wanted and dreamed about, anticipated for almost a decade. The novel was almost a decade in the making. And um, and I've always kind of imagined what it would be like to uh, for it to be launched, for it to be out there, to be in the position I'm in now. And not for a single second did I think that it would be the second or arguably third most important thing happening in my life. <laughs> So it's kind of strange, but obviously I couldn't be happier that that's the case. Um, very fortunate. But it is very surreal. It's a very surreal experience. It doesn't really feel like it's happening. But um, but it is. But something happened today, which was quite exciting. I don't know if you saw the post that I very quickly put up on, on the website. I did. It will be in the show notes as well. Yes. Yeah, so um, Amazon, everyone's favorite giant retailer, um, have chosen Aes for Angelica, the novel, to be part of their big summer promotion throughout August. So it's going to be part of Amazon's 100 books for 2.99. So the ebook version of Aes for Angelica comes out next week, which is the first of, first of August. Mm -hmm. And throughout August, it will be 2.99 as part of this huge. I say huge. This is what we're going to talk about. But this summer promotion, um, which is pretty nuts. So that's in the UK only? Um, you know, that's a fantastic question, Mike, and I don't know the answer. I'm assuming that it's UK only, but of course the book is available everywhere on Kindle from the 1st of August. It's only the paperback version that isn't available elsewhere. Actually, that's kind of not true as well. People can buy the paperback version in the US. Unfortunately, they kind of... I'm not entirely sure how this works, but I think you're kind of still getting it delivered from the UK, so it costs an absolute fortune. So it makes far more sense to wait for it, wait for me to get a, a kind of an international publishing deal for the book, um, which hopefully will happen at some point, and or, or just buy the the electronic version first. I think I need to, to pre-order the Kindle version. Well, if you've got any sense, you'll wait until the first of August. 
and um, and buy it for two pounds ninety nine pence. No, I'm going to do it now in case it gives you more money. Well, I, I, yeah, you, that, that's very kind of you. It won't be that much more money, but you're more than welcome <laughs> I've to. Just, I've done it. I've done it. Fine. There's nothing you can do about it. That's the that's the deal sealed. But it's interesting that um, th- this has happened. Um, the part of the reason I mentioned the fact that it's been a surreal experience with you know expecting twins at the same time, and the fact that that's kind of taken up a lot of my life. Um, obviously, um, I've kind of been thinking, worried, um, uh, panicking, maybe a little bit that I'm just not going to be able to put the kind of promotional activity that's needed to make the book the kind of success that I want it to be. I've talked before that, that you know, money isn't the driving influence behind the book. Um, but of course, I do want to reach lots of readers. And I, of course, I want it to sell as well as it possibly can do. Um, so, I, but, so I have been kind of worried about how I'm going to market it and promote it. Um, and really kind of try and, and push it, even just in real life, attending. I basically can't really realistically attend any kind of book readings or anything like that for the first six weeks of the book being out because I'm going to have other things to do in my life which are more important. Um, and I never imagined that I would be in that position. So to have something like this um, come along completely out of the blue, I didn't even know that that this was a possibility until today. So um, I'm really interested to find out what it means to be part of one of Amazon's um, summer promotions. Um, obviously, there are 99 other books that are going to also be part of this promotion, and I suspect we can't all be on the homepage at the same time. I hope it's alphabetical, <laughs> because then you're sorted, aren't you? <laughs> that would be terrific. I hadn't hey. even considered that. <laughs> I suspect that that won't be the case. If it is, though, Broom. <laughs> You're laughing, aren't you? Like if all right, if they might have a couple of featured ones, but I should quickly um, write a short story called Aardvark. <laughs> I don't think I think the letter A is probably going to do you all right, though. That is true. I had forgotten. <laughs> I was thinking Angelica, but actually no, A is for Angelica. So yeah, I should be fine if that's how they do it. But I suspect it isn't. But there is a, there is a high chance um, of the novel being. Um, kind of, I guess, maybe on the homepage for a bit. I mean, I'm sure it won't be there all the time, but it'll be there at some point. And of course, if it's part of a promotion like this, you would imagine that it would spend some time reasonably high up the Amazon rankings, which obviously are quite important. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not expecting it to be suddenly become a bestseller. That would be incredibly unlikely and and unrealistic, and I would be getting far too carried away with myself. Mm. But it is a really big deal. Yeah, no, I think that it would be silly to expect that you're going to be number one, but I think it would be equally silly to expect that you're not going to have the best chance possible by being involved in something like this. And it's great. How did it come about? Do you know? I don't. I don't, I don't even know. I presume that um, it's. I, I presume that it's something that Legend, uh, the publisher, have um, yeah pushed for, or maybe they just choose them. Maybe they. Maybe because the novel's coming out on the first. Maybe they maybe they decided that um, because it's a new novel, people will be buying it anyway, you would expect, so that would kind of increase sales for Amazon, so maybe they chose themselves. Maybe there's a person employed to go and look around, and maybe they saw that I had a web presence of some sort, and maybe I had, I've had a jazzy podcast that uh, at least 30 people enjoy, 
Um, and so they thought maybe, I don't know, I've got no idea how it came about. It's, it kind of happened today. I found out while I was at work over yeah. lunch and I quickly threw the blog post up over my lunch break and, um, and that's kind of all I know. I haven't had a chance to really catch up with the folks at Legend to find out how it came about. Um, I kind of asked what impact they thought it would have, and they kind of said the same thing that we we we've just said. You know, it could be great, but um, yeah. you know, it's obviously it's obviously good news. Um, just just wait and see, really. So I'll, I'll hopefully be able to relay back. I mean, interestingly, I, I, on when when are we talking to Joanna? I think it's next week. We've got Joanna Penn on the podcast, and she's very successful um, self publisher, indie publisher, and um, she's doing incredibly well she's got a brilliant blog that has loads of great advice for lots of people it's a must listen to episode next week um but she knows all about this kind of thing because of part of her the way that she's marketed her books she's had to do an awful lot of research and she gives a lot of advice on amazon rankings and the way these kinds of thing things work so i'm looking forward to sort of asking her about um about that next week and getting um someone's perspective who i think probably has a bit more knowledge than me in this area so it'd be a big episode because obviously I know that Joanna Penn is 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 important in the field, but also because it will be the first post book release episode. This uh, yes, it will. It will. That's true. So Absolutely, it could be it could be a must listen to. Jeez. So shall uh, shall we talk about our first sponsor before we move into our second topic? That sounds like a terrific idea. We have three topics today in total, all very different. Yeah. So our first sponsor this week is DocuSign. Now, DocuSign are the easiest and most secure way to add signatures and information to documents no matter where you are. So let me explain what DocuSign do. They give you the ability to upload documents directly from your hard drive or from other cloud services like Box.net, Dropbox, Google Docs, etc. to DocuSign online. And they will then allow you to send these documents out to people to be signed. So let's say, for example, you have a contract that you need somebody to sign for. You know, DocuSign is used quite quite a lot in real estate um, and sort of house purchasing and stuff. But let's say, for example, it's a contract that I have to Ian for something. Let's say for money for this sponsorship. Right? So let's say I need to send that, that contract to Ian for him to sign. I don't want to send it in paper because it takes time and, you know, time is money, as they say. So I would be able to put this contract into DocuSign. I could upload it from my Dropbox, which is where I keep a lot of this stuff. I could then go onto the, the final page and I could add in digital sign here labels into the document to show Ian exactly where he needs to sign. I can also put in um, a field where he would need to print his name to. I would then, in, all in DocuSign online, I'd be able to enter in Ian's email address and it will be sent over to him digitally. He will receive it as, as an email. Um, he will open up the document. It takes him to um, a page on the web through DocuSign. So you open up a DocuSign page and the contract will be there for him. He will be stepped through the, through the areas step by step. So he'll be like, sign here, print your name here, put your address here. So everywhere that I have added a digital sign label, and, and the uh, contact field labels. He will be taken through them step by step to make sure he doesn't miss anything. Ian will be able to sign using his trackpad and they also have iPad, iPhone and Android applications where you can access your documents, send out your documents and also put your signatures on if you prefer to do it on a touchscreen device. Um, you can also then you know, say access them on the go because once you have your DocuSign account, all the documents that you send out and receive are all saved in the cloud so you can access them at any point. 
Um, they have a bunch of different plan options as well. They have um, plans that are t- tailored to specific types of businesses and to individuals and stuff like that. Once Ian has signed the document, if he signs up for a DocuSign account after that, he'll be able to save his signature in there. And once it's all signed up, it'll just get sent back to me. And not only is everything totally secure, it's all encrypted, anything signed is legally binding. There are actually companies, real estate companies, that use these documents for house purchases. You can comp- you can use a DocuSign signed document as a house completion document. So they are totally legally binding. DocuSign allow you to sign anytime, any place, and on any device. It's totally safe, secure, and legally binding, as I mentioned. You can sign up for a 30-day free trial at DocuSign.com. That's D-O-C-U-S-I-G-N.com forward slash 70 decibels. That will also help support us. So if you are the type of person that has documents, contracts, and legal stuff in their life, go check out DocuSign. It may just save you bacon. That's my own phrase. They didn't say that. That's, that, that is actually quite amazing if there is one industry that needs a good old shake up it's the the kind of I don't know what the industry is called but buying houses and that kind of thing yeah through that last year and it was awful the kind of I, I can't there's at least 13 forests were cut down just to send me stuff I would get three copies of the same thing so I would have this yeah. huge stack of paper that was completely unnecessary so it sounds like DocuSign are well on the way to actually sorting that kind of thing out because it was an absolute mess and to be able to have done that digitally would have been amazing they can literally take care of the entire process you you don't need if you are buying a house with a real estate agent or an estate agent depending on where you live that uses DocuSign every piece of paper that you need can be given to you in DocuSign because it's 100% legally binding it's really really great service great they're, they're, they're a great sponsor so go check them out indeed so, we're going to talk about the Nexus 7? Yes, that would, would be tremendous, and I believe you're going to take the reins. I am. Tell me about this as well, because I've not, I've not used the Nexus 7, and for, for those of you that don't know what one is, it's kind of, it's not kind of, I've noticed that, I say kind of quite a lot on this podcast, I don't know if I do that in real life, I'm going to try and monitor myself just to see how many times I introduce a sentence with the words kind of, I don't think it happens that often in real life. Kind of. I'm a bit meta, sort of, I'm sort of commenting on my own commentary. <laughs> um, Are you all right, Broom? I'm fine, sorry. I get annoyed at myself. What am I thinking, saying things like that? <laughs> it's okay. We still love you. So we spoke about the Nexus 7 when it came out, um, and I have one. So I want to just talk very briefly, because um, I have... We have other shows on the network where we talk more about the gadgety, gadgety stuff, but um, I want to talk about my reading experience. Well, t- tell us what the Nexus 7 is first. It, it's nice. kind of a... It's a seven-inch tablet, so it's like a, it's an Android-based tablet, so it's not like the iPad, but it, you know, it's it's a tablet like in, akin to that. You know, it's a touchscreen device, um, kind of like the Kindle Fire in in size, um, and there's a big focus on content from Google, so you know they're they're really pushing the uh, Google Books and Google magazines if you're in the United States. Mm. Um, but what I've been doing, um, I've been doing a lot of reading. I've been reading a lot of comic books. On the on the Nexus Seven, right? Um, I've been doing an awful lot of that. I've been reading a lot of sort of online stuff, you know, like the read it late, read it later type services. Yep. I've been using been using it to catch up on those sorts of stuff. Um, I will also be reading A's for Angelica on this device. Toot toot. That is that is what I'm going to use it for. The book is released when I actually have some time off work, so I'm going to spend my time get your book read. 
because I'm I am actually very excited. I'm I'm not much of a reader, as I've explained on this show before, but I have been waiting for quite some time to read your books. I am going to read it. Looking forward to it, Broom. It's like a cross between Dan Brown and um, and um, Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> And E.L. James is it's almost exactly like that. <laughs> it's going to fly off the shelves. <laughs> so, um, the really the main thing that I want to talk about is just how the device feels, because I mean Kindles do so well in my opinion because they're so light. I think you know that's one of the great things. The screen's great, but most people don't care about the fact that it's ink. In my opinion, I think people are perfectly happy to read on on uh, devices that have like these LCD screens and stuff um, and the LED screens and all that malarkey. You know, I don't think the average consumer, I'm sure you agree with this, Ian, is is that concerned about e-ink. I think that's more of a gadgety person's thing. Well, I uh, when um, I think when we talked about this, before, I said that I personally didn't have a problem with using um, the backlit screen when I was reading with the iPad. The problem with me with the iPad uh, was that it, after a while, it's just it was just a bit heavy. I mean, I do have the first iPad, so that is heavier, but um, um, I didn't mind the backlit screen at all. And I do love the e the e ink that it comes with the Kindle because I have one of those as well. But um, but it's a bit dark when when you're reading it in bed. I kind of have to shine a light directly on the screen, which of course I don't have to do with the iPad. But it's much lighter, therefore I do actually prefer the Kindle because it's a kind of a light. I mean, do you have a Kindle? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I liked. I like the ink, but the, the weight was always good, but I can confirm that the weight of the Nexus seven is perfectly adequate to hold for extended periods of time in one hand. Okay. And I have been, um, it's, I can't remember the weight off the top of my head, but on stage they said it's the, it is the weight of an average paperback book. Yeah. And I think it is. You know, like I can hold it for an extended period of time, but after, you know, like 40 minutes or whatever, I might want to just put another hand on there or a swap hand or whatever for a while. And I think that that's sort of similar to paperback books in my memory. I haven't read a paperback book in a long time. Um, but the the screen is, is nice and crisp. It's not as um, it's not a retina display like the iPad. It's not that clear, but it's it, for me, in my opinion, it's it's more than clear enough Um I've, I've, you know, in the time that I've been using it, um, I have done some reading on it. I've looked at some to take a look at what the Kindle app looks like on on here, and it's it's perfectly acceptable. Um, it's quite a nice nice environment. Um, I would say, you know, if if you are the type of person that wants to have something like this, like a small device to read on, um, but it's more powerful than a Kindle. You know that you can actually access stuff online and do more with it. Like you know, I can pl- I play games on here. Um, you know, and it's in color, so I can read my comics. I wouldn't want to read comics on an e-ink display. That just seems ludicrous. Um, I w- I've he- I highly highly recommend this. It's one hundred and sixty pounds um, and one hundred and ninety dollars. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, I mean that's the thing. It's pr- it's pretty cheap to. Well, it's pr- it's obviously a lot cheaper than the iPad, but um, it's kind of comparable to the Kindle Fire, but apparently much better, would you say, than the Kindle Fire? Definitely. I mean, it hasn't got... I mean, well, you can get all of the Amazon books, right? Um, so, you know, saying that it hasn't got the same sort of content is not really correct in a way. Like, if books are your thing, then you, you can get them all. Um, you can use the Kindle app. Yeah, you use the Kindle app, um, which on Android, you don't need to go to the Kindle store to buy stuff, and you can buy it in the Kindle app. And how does that work then? Because um, obviously, if you the Kindle app on 
uh, iPad is because of the way that Apple take 30% of all in-app purchases, you kind of, you can no longer, as far as I think this is correct, I'm saying this, but um, I think that you, you can't, you can no longer buy within the app itself. You have to buy on the website and then it magically appears in the app when you next boot it up, it syncs to your buying history. Yeah, well, really, you could never really buy in the app before, but there wasn't even, there, like, the difference, and you can't buy in the app as such, but the difference between the um, iPad and Amazon version, uh, sorry, and the uh, Android version, is that there's a button in the Android version that takes you out to the Kindle store, and on the iPad there isn't. So if you're, so for instance, this is kind of, this is kind of my question. I think this is what most people will, the issue will be. I think that most people st- would still go for the Kindle. If you're a reader, so if you if you read fiction, if you're not so fussed about all the things that other things that a tablet, a you know, a proper full color tablet can do, you'll still be interested in the Kindle simply because it's so heavily marketed by Amazon, and simply because you've kind of once you've invested in a specific ecosystem, once you've bought all these books on through Amazon, you kind of feel like they're yours. Therefore, you have to continue to use Amazon. But what we're saying here is that that doesn't necessarily need to affect your decision because on the Nexus 7, and this is actually also on the iPad, of course, as well, is that because there is a really good Kindle app, you can you, you can have the same experience, basically. You can use, you still have all your, all your Kindle stuff. It's just not on a Kindle. It just happens to be on a different device. And I think that's, I know that's been around for ages and it sounds quite an obvious thing, but I, I it, it's kind of... Um, I think it's a challenge that Amazon are going to have. They've still not released the the, the uh, Kindle Fire in the UK. That's right, isn't it? Yes, yeah, correct. Still not available in the UK, so they don't have a competitor at all to uh, the Nexus Seven um, uh, outside of the US. And um, I kind of think I, it's getting to a point where I can't really think of a reason if you were buying something new. If you did, uh, well, the, the problem is if people don't know that the Nexus Seven exists. But if you do, I can't think of a reason why you would buy a hundred pound e-ink Kindle, which just basically does reading straightforward, is straightforward e-reader, as opposed to a hundred and fifty quid for something that does so much more. It's a great e-reader. You get all your Amazon, the books that you bought through Amazon. That's all exactly the same, arguably better, in some, you know, some people would argue. Um, but you get all the other stuff as well, the, you know, the browsing and yeah. email and videos, music, all that kind of thing. It's, it's, it, does that make sense? It, it's at quite, such a price point that why would you have the e-ink Kindle? The Kindle Touch 3G is £169. It's £10 more expensive than the Nexus 7, and you get a £15 voucher to use in the Google Play Store to buy apps and books with. And what would you? What could you use that £15 voucher for in a week's time? You could use it for your book. Exactly, Mike. Well, if it was in the Google Play Store. But, if, but we've just talked about this. If it's on the Amazon app, then they can download it through there. No, because you have to still buy it from Amazon directly. Oh, yeah, so my £15 voucher is for... This is details. I see. But you can use the money you save to buy your book. I also accept £15 through the post in an envelope. Nice. Did, did I get a book for that, or are you just just happy to receive it? <laughs> just just going to receive that. That's, that's, all, that's as far as that relationship goes. But no, I, I, I thoroughly suggest 
to to look at this device that people should look at this device and there are a bunch of stores um in the uk and the us that have demo units in them so go go to your local big box retailer and try it out i think that um it would it would fit the needs of most of our audience to a t um i really really like mine and of course without getting into the conversation because time's getting on mm. the question now is whether there will be an iPad of a similar size and price in the next few months. but um, There that's... will definitely be, in my opinion now, there will definitely be one of a similar size, similar price, not so sure. Well, we shall wait and see. That we sounds shall. like a conversation for perhaps not just a different time, maybe even a different podcast. Maybe. Shall I talk about our second sponsor before we move on to our final topic of today? Yeah, we're rattling through this. This is exciting. Go bang, for bang, it. Bang. Squarespace. So we love Squarespace at 70 decibels, and they've uh, we spoke a, we've spoken a little bit about the brand new Squarespace. Squarespace version six is now available. You get all of the existing amazing features that Squarespace have been working on for many, many, many years. They're rock solid hosting. You never have to worry about Squarespace sites going down. Doesn't matter how popular they get. Their fanatical support. Always there, award-winning support, 24-7. They respond to you in minutes. They have live online workshops to help walk you step-by-step step through everything you need to build an amazing website. So if you're brand new to, you know, if you've never built a website before, Squarespace are great for that sort of stuff. You know, they have great support, but they have tools, you know, ways for you to learn, education for you. Um, they look after things like SEO for you, um, so you don't have to worry about making your Posts perfect for Google. They take care of all of that stuff. They have integrated design, integrated domains if you buy um, an annual plan, which I'll talk about in a moment. But they've got brand new beautiful templates for you to set up your new blog with. Um, if you want to change the colors and you want to change the fonts, it's really, really easy to do in their very simple and beautiful design editor. Um, or, you know, you just use what they give you. The, the, the design templates are so beautiful. They don't look like they've been churned out by, you know, just some random blogger or something like that. You know, they, they, they look like they've, well, they are professionally designed and they definitely look like that. Responsive web design. We spoke a bit about that when we were talking about um, Ian's site. So your web page is automatically scaled to work and look beautiful on any design. Uh, sorry, on any device. So on iPhones, iPads, on the Nexus 7, your site will look great on all of them. And they take care of scaling things down like images and stuff. So you don't need to worry about any of that. It will load fast for people on all devices. If you want to automatically tweet every time you post something new to your blog you can set it up so they can do that as well this is all stuff that is integrated into the fantastic package that squarespace offers you can pay month to month and it starts off at ten dollars a month if you on the standard plan but you can save twenty percent off that if you pay up front for a year or you can save twenty five percent off if you say if you pay up front for two years and if you do any of their annual biannual plans you get free custom domain names if it's available you just you just sign up for it in the sign-up process, you just type in the domain. If it's available, they will register it for you and, and assign it to your blog. You don't need to worry about any of that. Um, they just take care of it. I can give you an additional 10% off all of that. So let's say, for example, you go for the one-year plan, you get 20% off the standard amount, and then I can give you another 10% off on top. If you use the coupon code 70decibels7 at 70decibels7 at checkout, 
that gives you 10% off. And you can sign up for a two-week free trial to get a good idea of the features that we've spoken about and the many, many more that Squarespace have if you go to squarespace.com forward slash 70 decibels. And there will be links in the show notes. So you wrote a post um, a couple of days ago called First Impressions on the Internet, and I wanted to talk to you about it. Okay. So this post is um, in, in from sort of a, a brief summary would be just uh, watch out for the type of thing that you say online. You know, we, we don't argue with people, don't swear, if that's the kind of impression that you want to put across. And be consistent in the type of person you are, the type of conversation that you have when you're online. Yes. And also the the idea that you can't really ever control everything on the internet. So your yeah. all your profiles, your I, I use Twitter uh, Twitter as an example quite heavily in the post. Um but it goes for anything. You can't be everywhere all the time. And and you can't control everything. So that's why, as much as anything else, you, you, I, in my opinion, you need to try and be consistent because you never know who's looking at your profile or your, your website and you don't know when they're looking. You have no way of controlling that. And therefore, you should always try and make... If you're always consistent, you're, you're able to post without fretting and worrying about everything that you put online. Um, but at the same time... You you know that when people get there, it's it's going to be okay. You, you you don't have to worry about it, but you you know that it should be all right because nothing ridiculous is going to be there. If you, if you decide, for instance, that you're not going, this isn't for everyone. I know that, but I use the, the swearing example. I basically pretty much never swear, certainly not swear properly, um, on Twitter, for, for for example. And that way, I know that if a potential buyer or previously a potential agent or previously a potential publisher um, or a potential um, client for work for the workshop so you know I've got a, prof- a professional angle on this I say that I work for the workshop um, and the design company I work for I say that in my Twitter profile and I know that if I'm consist if I consistently don't swear I know that I'm never going to get caught out by someone looking at that profile and finding sort of a a complete load of filth that I put on there because I know that I've been consistent so I can pretty much guarantee that that's not happened does that make sense if you're kind of if you're all over the place and sometimes you swear but most of the time you don't then there might be that time because you can't control it that someone really important that you really don't want that you really don't want to see you swearing on the internet um, they could see it, and it could be that one time. But if you're consistent and you know that you don't do that, then that's fine. I mean, that's quite a, an easy to describe example. But there are lots of there are lots of other examples, and it's all about tone of voice, really. Yeah, and and what it really resonated with me. I know we, we're really laboring this point now about the swearing thing, mm. because we don't swear on the shows. No. Um, and if anything ever slips out, I cut it out. And I do that because I do it for for one reason. I have this this one analogy that that I stick to. This one image. Let's say we have a mother or father 
driving around. They love the 70 decibel shows and they're driving their kids around, running the errands for the day or whatever. They've got the whole family in the car um, and the rest of the family is happy to listen to whatever mum or dad wants to listen to and they choose to listen to Right For Your Life. If I start effing and blinding now, as my nan would say, there are kids in the car, right? And, and then that 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 causes a, an, an awkward situation for, for that person. Um, and then that might mean that they can't listen to the shows anymore because they love what we do, but they, they only get the time to listen when they're in the car. So they've we've now forced them not to listen to the stuff anymore. And, and I don't think that's right. And because I don't think that we need to swear on this show, um, it doesn't add anything. I figure we, we just don't do it. And and I use that as an extension into my Twitter profile, as well. Yeah, I mean, the, you hit the nail on the head there. There's no reason to do it on this particular show, and I don't see a reason to do it on Twitter. I don't see a reason to do it on my website either. And I know that other people do, and that's fine. As I say in my post, in my in in real life, I mean, I do swear sometimes, but there, I only ever swear for for effect. I think only anyone only ever. Um, swears for an effect and that doesn't necessarily mean because you're angry you sometimes do it because whatever it is you're saying is funnier because you've put yeah. uh, you've you've sworn or you know, you've said something silly as part of a joke you know you swear for an effect of some sort i don't personally think that there is any effect uh that i can have on twitter or certainly on this podcast that I'm missing out on by not asking you to make it an X-rated podcast. Like if we were comedic figures. Are we not? Well, I think that we are, but I'm not sure if everybody else does. Um, if we were known to be comedic figures, if we put comedian in our uh, Twitter bio, then yeah. a certain type of, of comedy lends itself more to that sort of language. And I think... You know, if you saw some of the private conversation that me and Mr. Broom had, um, you would, one, think it was hilarious, um, but also you may see some naughty words pop in from now, now and again. Um, I I've, apologize, I've, was there. Sorry? I, I always make you apologize for them afterwards. Yeah, he does. By post. I send them to him in DocuSign. I have <laughs> to send apologies to Ian. Um, I, don't, I think Twitter was down at the time, but um, because it's been doing that the last couple of days. Um, when I sent you a message, when I sent Ian a message telling him that I wanted to talk about this, it was full of full of naughty words because that was comedic effect. I think it was. I think we should effing talk about this broom. <laughs> I think was was what I originally said because you know that was it. That was the comedic effect. But I wasn't going to do that in a in a public forum because again, I don't think it. There are just some people that don't want to see it. So why make them see it? That's the way that I look at it. I don't look at that for everyone, but it's just how I judge myself and what I do online. Yeah, and, and and it's like I say, the, the the post that I wrote on the site was about first impressions and about uh, first impressions on the internet. You can control first impressions when you meet someone in person because there is uh, the context is that person. Um, well, I suppose you could have met them on the internet beforehand, but let's just say you haven't. So let's just say when you meet someone for the first time in person, which happens all the time, it could be for a business meeting or it could be in your local shop when you're paying for your groceries or something like that you meet someone for the first time um you the, the your first impression kind of counts you don't go up to the, or at least i hope you don't go up to the person in the grocery store and start shouting at them or or um or just not being who you want to be and and you but you have a level of control over that you you have um 
you have control over the first impression that you make. My points in this post, apart from the idea of consistency and the example of swearing, is to say that you can't, and the, the phrase that I used is, uh, is, is you can't control the way things um, appear right now, or you should be, you should always try and be conscious of the way things appear right now. So, for instance, every time I go to bed at night for eight hours, the very same, you know, my um, Twitter profile, my website, my Facebook updates, whatever it might be, are going to be exactly the same for eight hours. And goodness knows who's going to look at the look at the uh, those things in that time. And therefore, um, and you and 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 you can't con- you can't control when they see it, but also. You don't want to really have to think about that. You don't want to be in a position where you think, right, so I must make sure my last five tweets, which are the ones that the, that the you know anyone's going to see first, I must make sure that they are really good tweets. You don't want to live your life like that. No. That's, that's, a, that's a cage, man. That's an awful way to live. So <laughs> It is, man. So you, um, we've got a lot of US listeners. You have to throw those things in every now and again. So... Uh, you, you don't want to live like that, but at the same time, um, as I say, you you don't want to um, you don't want to micromanage it, but you don't want to. Uh, you need to be aware of it. You need to be aware that you you are making a first impression all the time. That's kind of that's kind of my point. The first impressions on the internet count because you're making them all the time. New people come to your Twitter profile all the time, and they make snap judgments about whether to follow you. It feels it's such an insignificant snap judgment whether you get followed or not. These things generally don't really matter. But that first impression, that following, it might actually be um, the difference between um, a business contact or like a business lead or it might be an agent or or a publisher that's heard about you from somewhere and they think, well, I'll just check their Twitter profile and then they go on there and they see something that they don't like or they're not impressed with and you made a bad first impression. And to go back to the start of the conversation, my in my opinion, the most obvious and simplest way around that is to just have a... A, a tone of voice that you're that you know is consistent and and you're comfortable with. So you may have um, certain degrees of, um, of of flexibility within that within that tone of voice. You may be, for instance, today I when I found out about this news, I sent a tweet out that said I have just received an exciting email, and I wrote it in all capitals. And I never do that. So that's kind of the that's kind of a uh, and it was for effect, obviously. So that's kind of at my at one end of my uh, flexibility. Um, <laughs> I don't know what the word is. It's, the, it's at one end of the scale for me. I, I, that's as far as I go in terms of kind of eccentricity and kind of silliness on Twitter. Um, uh, and and I'm kind of I was kind of comfortable with sending that message out. I, I kind of looked at it and thought this is a bit stupid putting it in all capitals, but I kind of did it anyway. I thought if someone came to my Twitter profile for the first time, I'm fine with them seeing that because I've got an established tone of voice. If they look down the next few tweets, they would see they were just regular conversations, or there were I was there were links to writing things. You know, they would see that I was a writer because that's the crux of all this. And I'll, I I seem to have gone into a small rant here, but the crux of all this is is it is about branding and it's about making a good impression. Yes, um, but it's also about reflecting who you actually are. So, in my biography on Twitter, I have. A, you know my picture of myself looking all kind of normal, and then underneath it says I'm a writer and I write about writing and reading and publishing, and that I'm a you know I'm a communications manager for the workshop. That's a certain amount of expectation that I've built up. So if I then 
post a load of old nonsense or a load of old filth, then the two things don't match up and people start to wonder who this person really is. And, you know, the one thing you do want to, I think most of us want to try and achieve online is some kind of integrity. That might mean a different thing to a different person, but that's kind of um, uh, important to all of us, I think. Um, and, um, and, and I think that's it. I think I've run out of things to say in that little monologue. Okay. I like the monologue. But yes, it, it, thanks for pointing the post out. I thought it was, uh, I'd been thinking about it a lot because the book's coming out. So as I said earlier on, I've been thinking about these kind of things. How am I going to promote the book? There's going to be lots of new people coming to find me for the first time. What are they going to see first? And I've been thinking, crikey, how am I going to control it so that they see good stuff? And then I just had to realize that I can't control those things. I can't control the way things appear right now all the time. I just need to try and make sure that I'm consistent. Thank you, Broom. That's all right. I feel like I feel like we've expanded on that, like I wanted to. So thank you. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I am I Mike I M Y K E. Mister Broom is Ian Broom I A I N B R O M E. You can also go to ianbroom.com. There will be links in the show notes to two of Mister Ian Broom's posts. Um, so you can find. You can find him there. If you want to get our show notes, you can go to 70decibels.com forward slash write for your life and you will see just find the episode that you're looking for. Um, although lots of podcast applications have the show notes built right into them. But if yours doesn't, then that's where you can go to find that out. So, sir, shall we leave it here? I think we should call it a day. Good luck with the week ahead, Mr. Broom. I'm very excited for you. Thanks very much. I look forward to reporting back. And uh, I shall speak to you, uh, not next week, but uh, soon after that. Indeed. I'm, I'm, I'm going to step down next week because there will be two very important people, you and um, Joanna Penn, and I don't think I will be able to add to the conversation just blathering on about, I don't know what I'll be talking about. So you two can, can have a much better conversation than I. I'm so, sure, but you're going to be far too busy reading my novel anyway. Exactly. I need every spare moment. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Right for Your Life. I'm Mike Hurley. He's Ian Broom. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye-bye.